This is the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Peter Creek, we honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged with this week's message from Pastor Kelly Baldridge. Please take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, We return to this glorious, long, single sentence uh, in the original from the Apostle Paul. In this sentence, he is blessing God, giving thanks to God for the wonderful work that he has done, for the blessings he has given to Christians. These blessings are a work of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they comprise his work in eternity past. They are realized in the present, and we'll see shortly uh, in this week or next, they have a future aspect to them as well. There are several things that God is being uh, thanked for here. First, God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. Paul has made that clear in verse 4. And then in verse 7, he makes clear that God has redeemed us by the work of Jesus Christ. And now, in our passage this morning, we are going to see that God has revealed himself and the salvation that he purchased for us. And all of this is centered in the person of Jesus Christ that's central to the understanding of the gospel, central to understanding your salvation is the Lord Jesus. It's according to the grace of God and it's this revelation that we look to this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come before you humbly for we need to hear from you. And we cannot understand unless you reveal it to us. So teach us from your word this morning. We pray in Jesus' name and amen. We'll begin in verse 7, going through verse 10. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is the word of the Lord. There was a man, he was a king. This king was troubled of all things, by his dreams. He knew these dreams weren't simply nightmares based on what he ate as a late night snack. Rather, someone was speaking to him in his dreams. Yet it remained a secret. It remained a mystery to him. He called on magicians and sorcerers and others who were considered wise in his city and his nation, to interpret the dream for him. And if they didn't get it right or make it known, they would be torn limb from limb. 
for he was a harsh king. He would not only require them to interpret the dream, but he would also, to make sure that they were giving him the right interpretation, they would also have to tell him the dream before he told it to them. This king knew that that had to be the case because to interpret this dream, you had to have some kind of secret knowledge or know the mystery that he didn't know. The gods or God was for him the one who revealed the dream to these prognosticators. And those who were gathered before the king proclaimed to him, though, that there was no one on earth that could do this. And so he decided, well, I'll just kill all of, all of them. I'll kill all of the wise men. I'll kill all of those who are magicians, all of those sorcerers. And so he began Uh, And when word got to one particular wise man, uh, he said, whoa, hold on a second. And so he and three of his friends knelt down and prayed to God. And they asked God to reveal the dream and the interpretation of the dream. Now, hopefully you know the story I'm speaking of, that this is Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar. There was a secret, a mystery that needed to be revealed And ultimately, that secret and that mystery that was revealed to Daniel was about the end times, about the last days, about a king who would sit on his throne eternally, much greater than King Nebuchadnezzar could ever be. King Nebuchadnezzar's statue would fall down, and this king, he would reign forever. And this king would come. And so even in the Old Testament, there is this picture here of a a mystery that needed to be revealed. And that's also what we have here in Ephesians 1. And so today I want you to hear this to begin. You, Christian, have salvation because God graciously reveals his purpose to you. Daniel could not do this on his own. Daniel could not interpret the dream or know what the dream was on his own. There was no way. Those men who said, there's no one on earth that can do this, Really, they were right, apart from the grace of God. And so it is so for you and I. Apart from God's grace that he lavishes on us, apart from his mercy, there is no way that we can know the secret things of God, in particular, his plan of salvation. And so we begin there. But then we understand there's a few things to know. God reveals his grace, or God reveals his plan and his purposes according to his grace. If we go back to verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. It is according to the grace of God that he doesn't leave us in the dark. It is according to the grace of God that he takes the curtain and pulls it back so that we may see the truth and know it and understand it and be changed by it. It is revealed according to his grace. This is part of God lavishing on us that we read in the text, that he lavishes his grace on us. Not only have we received redemption and the forgiveness of our trespasses, but we have also received an understanding, a knowledge of God, the secrets 
has been made known. The hidden has been revealed. And it is by grace that it happens. Secondly, God gives wisdom and insight to those he saves. Notice here in verse 8, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Our text gives us some options. What is it that Paul means by this? There are three options in particular. One option is that God, using wisdom and insight, that God somehow uses wisdom and insight, and by doing so, he abounds toward us in grace. That God uses wisdom and insight to make himself known. A second option is this, that God has made known to us in wisdom and insight the mystery of his will. That in that wisdom and insight, God uses it so that he would reveal his will to us. But actually, what God is doing here in his word is teaching us through Paul that God, along with grace, has given us wisdom and insight that this is speaking of the grace that we've received. And in his grace, he's also given us wisdom and insight. He's lavished on us not only his grace, but also wisdom and insight. So here Paul speaks not about God, but about you, Christian, that you have received wisdom and insight. And so we understand this to be true. And the reason is because other passages confirm this. Paul, in his sister letter to his sister church in the church of Colossians, or the church of Colossae, he says this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so the word for insight and understanding expresses a kind, a kind of finiteness, if you will. That there is something finite about that word insight, that we need to have some insight that we didn't once have. So God is not speaking of wisdom and insight about himself because ultimately God is all wise, that he is wisdom, that he doesn't need to gain wisdom. He doesn't need to gain insight, but rather he gives us wisdom and he gives us insight. And so that's how we're to understand these words. What is wisdom? Well, wisdom is that here which concerns the things of God. It is what God allows us to gain a grasp of regarding his plan. That the wisdom he opens to us, the, the revelation that he gives to us is so that we would know him and know his purposes and know his plan. Know that he chose us before the foundation of the world in Christ. Know that in love he predestined us for adoption as sons. To know that in Christ we have been redeemed. To know that we have received the forgiveness of our trespasses. That is what God has done. He has given us this wisdom so that we may understand and so that we may live skillfully because of it. But then he also gives us insight. The King James uses the word prudence. Prudence. Not only does God give us wisdom so that we would live skillfully, but he has given us the tools so that we would live well. Not only that we would live skillfully, but that we would live well. So for the Christian, God has given us an understanding of who he is and what he has done to save us, to make us his. God gives it to you. You do not have it 
on your own. For God to give you something means that you do not have it and you need it. And so he gives you wisdom so that you would understand and be changed by it so that you would also live according to it. But then God reveals a mystery. This is a key word for Paul. It's a key word in the New Testament that God would make known to us the mystery of his will. This term mystery is worthy of note. For in Ephesus and Colossae and other cities of that day, there were those who followed within them the mystery religions. That they were a part of a mystery religion or a mystery cult. That they would follow their pagan gods and that by giving, by doing certain things, those who were wealthy, those who were intellectual, could gain some superior or hidden knowledge that only a few could know. That there was this idea of mystery in, in Ephesus, that there were some that said, yes, I follow this God, and I'm within this inner circle, and I know these hidden things, but I could never tell them to you. The word mystery that Paul is using is not meaning that kind of mystery, but rather mystery is simply a secret that is hidden that needs to be revealed. And so, Paul is letting us in on something. He is giving us an understanding of what mystery is. But he is also telling the Christians that you know the mystery. You know the secret. You have come to understand the way of salvation. You have begun to understand what God has done. It's no longer a mystery to you. One way we can illustrate this is understanding Something similar that we see. Uh, well, for me, I'm a child of the 90s. And that's when there was this thing, this phenomenon called a shopping mall. The Huntington Mall. The Ashland Town Center. Uh, Cedar Knoll Galleria. And when you're from up north there, uh, those are some of the places you might know or recognize. But in those malls, there would often be a wall that was put up, a facade, so that you couldn't see on the inside. What was that to do? It was to hide from you the work, the construction that was being done on the other side. And what we would do is we would walk by and wonder, what could it be? For me as a kid, I was hoping it was an arcade, a new toy store, a pet store, something of the nature. But then not only that, but now in modern times, we don't go to shopping malls as often. But we see businesses pop up. We see foundations laid and we see scaffolding on the outside as walls are being put up. And we ask ourselves, what is that? What could it be? Oh, it looks like perhaps in Pikeville, a Chick-fil-A. No, it's not. But as it unfolds, the mystery is revealed. That which only the architect knows there's certainly a few others, but the architect knows the plans, knows the purposes, knows what is being done, what is being accomplished. But you and I are in the dark until it is revealed. And so it is for us regarding our salvation that the Old Testament has the scaffolding. 
You can see a glimmer of it. You can see bits and pieces of it, but you can't fully understand and fully grasp until it is revealed. And then you read in Matthew, and it says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so you come to the New Testament and you say, okay, there's this genealogy. There's this revelation. Here is this Christ. He must be important because the whole of the New Testament begins to speak of him. And then Jesus himself, in the first preaching that he does, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the secret has been revealed. The mystery for the ages is being uncovered. And so it is, isn't it? That this is what is happening here. This is the mystery that God reveals to us. But also when we think of a mystery, it implies the need for revelation. It's a mystery. Friends, you will never be saved unless God opens the door for you. You will never understand unless the secret is revealed for you. God must do it. The mystery implies the need for revelation. The secret is a secret as long as it remains hidden. But as it pertains to salvation, God has made the secret known. We read about this in Hebrews. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It has been revealed. The secret to you, Christian, has been opened, unlocked. And you know it. You've trusted in it. You've believed in it. You hope in it. You've been saved because of it. Not because of anything that you have done. Not because of anything that you have thought of. Not because of anything that you have accomplished. But because of what God has done in his grace. Opening to you the mystery of his purposes and plan. Mystery implies the need for revelation. In our world, we often rely upon something else though. Rather than relying upon God to open that, we might try to rely on rational thinking. There are some who think that they can come to an understanding of the things of God through the intellect. That they can study God's word, open it up because they're smart, because they have intellect, because they are gifted in those areas. They can open up the word of God and fully grasp it and understand it and be changed by it. The problem is we know many, many, many people who are very smart, very intelligent, very educated and know nothing of God. So you can't do this through the mind. If they think hard enough, if they study long enough, they can come to an understanding of God and even of his salvation. But all that Paul is saying here, that the gift of wisdom and insight, a mystery revealed, is that you can't understand God's plan and purposes on your own. You can't do it with the right thinking or education or anything like that. God must reveal it. The Lord Jesus spoke of this as well in Matthew 11. It says that Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden 
these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to who? Do you remember what he said? Little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. God doesn't reveal himself to the strong and mighty who think they need no God. He doesn't reveal himself to those who are proud, but he reveals himself to the humble, to those who are like little children, simply accepting the plan and purposes of God. Now, there are those who not only use rational thought, but there are others who actually use what we can say is experience. There's a school of thought that really became popular in the last century. It's one that follows what we can call existentialism. That there's nothing definite about the truth. That the truth is wishy-washy. That the truth can be one thing this time and then another thing this time, but it actually is really based on your experience and your encounter. And so instead of having something definite about the truth or a standard of truth, they say that it is about the encounter. You must encounter truth. That the gospel is not the gospel until you've experienced the gospel. That the Bible is not God's word until you've experienced God's word. Friends, God's word is God's word. Whether you experience it or encounter it or not, it is God's word. It is true. It is the truth. And so there are those who think, though, that you have to encounter it. There are those who think that you can learn it. But here's what we learn. A mystery is undiscoverable. Some would like to use the terminology and say a mystery is incomprehensible. But that is not true because those who have it revealed, well, those who understand are those whom God has opened it to them. But a mystery is undiscoverable. Martin Lloyd-Jones helped me with this. He said this, the mystery of salvation is not incomprehensible. It's simply undiscoverable by the unaided human mind. In other words, for you to know the plan and purposes of God, for you to know about his salvation, for you to understand fully and grasp what God has done in Christ to save and for you to be changed by it, you cannot be saved apart from his help, apart from his guidance. Now, there are two types of people here today that don't quite have a grasp on God's purposes or on God's word. One is simply lazy. Instead of searching the scriptures, instead of pleading with God to open the scriptures to them, they are content with what they have. They are content with what they know. They're content with what the preacher yells at them from Sunday to Sunday. Even professing Christians can fall into this category. They're only skin deep in the faith. But it's not because the scriptures are hidden from them. It's because they've not dealt with the scriptures themselves. It's because they've not pleaded with God for answers. They've not pleaded with God and opened the word of God and read the scriptures. And the best place to read your scriptures is on your knees, showing humility, seeking God's help to understand his word. But it takes effort. It takes time. It takes faith. But then there's a second type in need of God's aid. 
Man in his sinful nature cannot know the things of God. That's who we are. We are sinners. All sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we will never come to saving knowledge of God on our own. Even upon reading and searching the scriptures until God reveals it. Paul in 1 Corinthians speaks of this well. And I want to read this passage to you. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man, imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The undiscoverable becomes comprehensible as God's spirit works in you. God's spirit must work in you to give you a new heart so that you may understand the gospel. You may come to a conclusion in your life and say, I get it, I understand it. But before you pat yourself on the back, may make sure you remember that it is the spirit of God that has given you ears to hear and eyes to see. It's undiscoverable apart from God and his grace. And so I need to address all of you here in this room or those who may listen online or later. You will never come to understand the mystery of salvation apart from God enabling you to do so. And you need to know that. You need to let that sink in. Those of you who are Christians, may you thank God. May you humbly proclaim and praise his name that he has opened your eyes to see and given you ears to hear. This is the most important thing in your life. It's the most important thing in your life. And some of you are failing to see it because you have other things that are more important to you. You need that wisdom and insight and he alone gives it. God gives it. God alone gives this wisdom. God alone makes the secret revealed. And so you must humble yourself before him. Jesus again would say, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now the New American Standard Version of the Bible helps us where the ESV kind of lets us down for a moment in verse 9. Verse 9 in ESV says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. Whereas the NASB lets us in on the word that's actually used there. According to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. You might think that God's plan is harsh or hard or difficult. But you need to see that it is God's kind intention that he would reveal this mystery to you. It is his kindness that opens your eyes, not his harshness. It is his love that grants you access to the secret things of God. 
And the beauty of what God offers is not something that we keep to ourselves, but rather when God has revealed it to us, we want to see that it is revealed to others. We want to share it with others. There's no secret handshake in the church, only a proclamation of Christ and him crucified. And so it is his kindness that does this. So a word of application. First, remember that it is through the Bible that God has revealed himself to you. It's through the Bible. It's through his word. Yes, he uses preachers. He uses those who teach. But what do we preach? What do we teach? The word of God. And if I go away from the word, then you ought to not listen to me. But here's the word. Listen to it. Listen to God in his word. Read it. So you don't need any new, new thing. We don't need any advancements. We have all kinds of technology, and I am fed up with technology. I'm not going to get on a soapbox because that's not in the word today. But you need God's word. There's a modern preacher, if you can call him that. His name is Andy Stanley. You know him as Charles's son. He has said a number of heretical things. He has told us to unhitch from the Old Testament. In other words, throw it out. You don't need it. Concerning particular sins of our culture, he has called particular scriptures that deal with those sins an interesting conversation. And recently he has said this, that good is a moving target. In other words, what was good a thousand years ago is not necessarily considered good today. What was evil a thousand years ago is not necessarily considered evil today. But friends, he also uses this to say that there's no clear divine standard that God has revealed. That is a lie from the pit of hell. There's a standard for us, and it is God's word. And the old, old story is the same. Christ crucified. The way of salvation is through him and not anything that we do or say. Good is not a moving target. There is a standard of what is good. The commandments of our God tell us because those commandments point us to the standard of good. And that is our God himself. So then also you need to remember there's always hope for all to understand. If the spirit of God is the one who must reveal to every individual that Christ and him crucified is the way of salvation, that the father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that God in Christ redeemed us through his death, given us the forgiveness of trespasses. If that has been said or, or heard, it doesn't guarantee that you will understand it apart from the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you how that gives you hope. Because I know that some of you are praying for your lost loved ones. You are praying for those family members that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And left to themselves, there is no hope for them. Left to their own rational thinking, there is no hope for them. 
left to an encounter with Jesus or an encounter with truth or whatever you may call it, there is no or little hope for them. Actually, no hope. But if it is the Holy Spirit that removes a heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh, if it is the Holy Spirit who causes us to be born again, as Jesus tells us in John 3, if it is the Holy Spirit who gives us new life and makes us a new creation, friend, there is hope. And you ought to continue to pray for your lost loved ones because there is hope. You ought to pray and ask God and plead with him to save them, to make that which is a mystery to them revealed so that they would see his glory and see him for who he is. That you have friends, you have family, you have spouses, you have children, you have grandchildren, you have loved ones, you have enemies, you have all of those around you. And you do not have to be without hope because it is God who saves. You don't have to think of a unique or silly way to convince them. You don't have to educate them God can do it. God can do it. Let's pray. Most gracious Father, we come to you in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, it ought to amaze us that something that has been secret for so many has been revealed to us. It ought to humble us It ought to cause us to to shut up in our tracks and to kneel before you, to worship you, to honor you, to give you glory. For it is only by your grace that we are saved. And by the work of your spirit, through your word, that we have come to know that which was once hidden. And so we rejoice in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has made it known to us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If God has used this message to influence you or you would like more information about our church, connect with us on the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Facebook page. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages from Pastor Kelly Baldridge.